the Investment Podcast, brought to you by M&G. This podcast is for investment professionals only. Welcome to the latest Fixed Income Podcast. My name's David Parsons, and I'm joined once again by David Lloyd, Deputy Chief Investment Officer of Public Fixed Income at M&G. Welcome, David. Thank you. Obviously, while recent events in Ukraine have dominated the news cycle, uh, today we thought we'd take a look at some of the deeper economic issues that are developing and what the implications might be for markets. Since the global financial crisis, whenever the volatility in the market has risen significantly and the financial markets have gone into freefall, central banks have responded with ever greater degrees of largesse. A comfortable coalition, if you like, has existed between central bankers and politicians to keep the good times rolling. However, the belief that central banks have successfully delivered low inflation is being tested in today's environment. Is this a classic case of correlation being mistaken for causation? I mean, certainly up until quite recently, the the perceived wisdom seems to have been that central banks, the heads of which have enjoyed almost godlike status, um, have engineered a really benign environment in which inflation has been conquered and in which so-called quantitative easing, which, as we all know, is basically just printing money, has been successfully rolled out in waves to support economies, to support the financial system uh, and to support asset prices. And, and as that has unfolded since the, global, the response to the global financial crisis, there's been quite a lot of comment and debate around these issues. For example, focusing on the rise of asset prices and the consequent impact on wealth inequality, housing affordability and that kind of stuff. And at the other end, at the less cautious end of the the debate, we've seen monetary creation heralded by some as as a magic bullet, which can be employed pretty much without limit. But what has really been conspicuous by its absence in in many of these debates um, around this unconventional monetary policy was a focus on the threat to inflation in goods and services outside of the asset price story, everyday inflation, if you like. Because I think the widespread belief was that that beast had been slain. So with the sudden arrival of high inflation now, it's probably fair to say that there's been an unrealistic trust placed in the central banks. And I think with that trust came significant complacency around inflation. So to my eye, at least, the COVID pandemic and now the conflict in Ukraine has reminded us of a a fairly simple but important truth, which is this, that central banks can, albeit in a pretty imperfect way, um, influence demand. But I think it's also shown that they're almost powerless uh, to deal with supply side shocks. And those supply side shocks are a very significant component of the current resurgence um, in inflation. So just to be to be clear, um, this isn't to question the competence of central banks, although pre-pandemic there were big questions around why monetary policy had been so loose for so long. So it's, as I say, not to necessarily question the competence, it's more to recognise the limitations of what they can and can't do. But of course, that hasn't stopped criticism from politicians now that inflation has become a live political issue. And we'll have seen, you know, comments of the you only had one job variety. So where does that leave us today, do you think? Well, it's tricky. We've got inflation in the major economies that is approaching double figures. It's setting, you know, 30, 40 year highs in a number of countries. I think an interesting place to look is the eurozone. Um so the most recent inflation print is is, is just over 8%, 8.1. 
But that disguises a, a really wide range of inflation outcomes at the, at the country level. So, for example, in uh, Malta, uh, the most recent print is 5.6%. And in Estonia, uh, it's 20.1%. And I think this huge spread of, of, of inflation outcomes has exposed the limitations of monetary policy. Because in the UK or the US, it's quite tempting to look at policy settings quite simplistically and infer that there's a causal link between the stance of money, monetary policy and the delivered rate of inflation. So you can look at a rate of inflation and, and sort of look through the telescope the other end and say, well, it is that policy setting that led to this rate of inflation. Uh, and then, of course, that can form the basis of a, of a, of a critique of, of, of the policy setting. Well, we can see within the Eurozone, with that massive range of outcomes that I've just mentioned, that it is it is far, far more complicated than that. And the final bit of the, the answer to the question was, where are we now? I, I think it does need to be said that, you know, given the significant passage of time uh, since we last saw inflation at these sort of levels, there's a whole generation of investors who have never had to confront uh, the reality that we see today. So with inflation firmly embedded in markets, the challenge for investors is where to put their money to achieve a positive real return. How would you address that, David? Well, to be honest, I don't think it's possible uh, right at this moment. We're in a world of deeply negative real interest rates. So positive real returns are not available without taking fairly speculative positions on the short-term direction of markets. So if you're not feeling that heroic, painful though it is to say it, there's no safe haven on offer. As, as we look at markets right now. Historically, of course, investors would park their money in cash and wait until you know equities or fixed income or whatever offered a more attractive opportunity. But the cost today in real terms of parking your money in cash uh, is that, that you know, um, you, you, you're losing um, 7 or 8% um, on, a, on an annualised basis. So what should we be doing? Should we be investing differently? Uh, do we have to adjust our mindset or our horizons? I think it's a bit of both, to be honest with you, and that, that they are very much linked. So I think the most important quality we, we need right now is clear headedness. You know, a, a, a really important variable, inflation, has changed really significantly for the first time in decades. That's a non-trivial development. So, you know, this is a pretty opportune time for investors to revisit and revalidate, if you like, their approach to investment. So what does that mean? I guess, to me, this means being really clear, really clear about a number of things. First, what's your time frame? Secondly, what is your understanding of and what is your tolerance for risk? And this is really, really key. So as fixed income investors, risk, when you boil it right down, means the risk of permanent loss. In other words, when a borrower defaults on their obligations. And clearly that is something to be avoided. But we shouldn't confuse risk with volatility, which is the sometimes you know, very aggressive ups and downs of, of market pricing. So if we can look through the noise of volatility, whilst, of course, always being alive to the possibility of, of, of permanent loss, if we can look through the noise, then the job does become a lot less fraught. So adopting a long term time frame is by far and away the easiest uh, and most effective way of proceeding. Okay, so if we employ that longer term horizon, where should we look for value, or at least to mitigate the punitive cost in real terms of holding cash? 
Yeah, good, uh, good question. Um, I suppose, again, at the risk of caveating the question again, it, I, I suppose you, you probably need to ask, ask yourself the question, are you investing on the basis of, of, of looking for opportunities and, and looking for attractive returns? Or are you doing so on the, on the basis of, of making the best of a bad job for now? But that being said, you know, areas of the bond market offer yields which are significantly in excess of, of cash rates, which is, isn't a bad starting point. Um, and of course, at the same time, bonds provide a significantly greater degree of certainty of outcome than, say, equities do. So through the fixed income lens, the key question has always been, will I get my money back? And this has a wonderful simplicity to it when you, you consider the current turmoil around, you know, inflation, economic outlook, uncertainty around policy, geopolitics and all the rest of it. To be able to boil down the prospects of an investment to one simple question, will I get my money back? I think it's very helpful. And it's certainly the case that the outlook for other assets can never be boiled down to such a simple question. And when you take this together with the presence of a maturity date, this provides real clarity to what it is we're considering. So we know what income we're going to get and we know when the capital is due to be repaid. But we do, of course, need to have a very considered view regarding the risks that the borrower will not be able to meet these obligations. And the key, of course, to assessing those risks is research and analysis. There are no shortcuts. And it's more important than ever, of course, to focus on understanding the individual risks in a portfolio of investments to ensure the confidence that you're going to be repaid. But that background, that approach, you know, it does allow us to buy increasingly attractive, cheap, if you like, bond assets that we're confident will repay over the life of the bond. And focusing on the known maturity of each asset, in effect, adopting a hold to maturity mindset. It does see you through the current noise. So back to the question, positive real returns are very difficult to achieve at the moment. There's no escape from that reality. But I'd say, you know, the known returns currently offered by bonds and the fact that at the moment they offer yields that are significantly in excess of cash rates, that mitigates some of the punitive costs of holding cash. So it remains our view probably a better home for now, certainly than cash and, and possibly other assets too. You know, as we began by saying, this wasn't supposed to happen, bearing in mind the trust that hitherto had been placed in central banks. But uh, for now, at least, um, it's the reality. I think that's right. Known flows or coupons versus unknown dividend flows and a recognition that there's no quick fix is probably the, the new reality, as you say. Today's environment requires a longer time frame and a willingness to look through the noise and perhaps accept short term volatility and asset prices. Uh, current levels of inflation, though, mean that the cost of parking in cash has become prohibitive. And fixed income, I think, can mitigate the cost of de-risking, but it's not going to eliminate it completely. However, with patience and a clear understanding of the default risks of the companies you invest in, bond investors should live to fight another day. Thank you very much for your time, David, and we look forward to our next podcast. Great pleasure. For further information, Please view the notes which accompany this episode. This podcast is for investment professionals only. The value of investments will fluctuate, which will cause prices to fall as well as rise, and investors may not get back the original amount they invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information and views expressed should not be taken as a recommendation, advice, 
or forecast. <laughs>